spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 184th annual Subliminal Session Podcast. Your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm joined by pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Uh, not too bad. I've had better weeks. I spent all weekend <laughs> sick, so that was uh, that was great. I think it was just a cold, though. Nothing, nothing too serious, but it definitely saps the fucking life out of you. Yeah, apparently. Uh, well, one of the members of my family taken down with the seven day COVID over the past week, so. Uh, I did talk to her just a couple of days ago. She said that she's starting to feel better, but this just whooped her ass pretty good. So though she said that she hadn't ever like been sick with COVID before. So it might be just that this is like the first round that she took. And it was like the long form COVID. I, so. I remember they gave this new one. I don't remember what it is off the top of my head, but they kind of gave it a scary name, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> I guess is fitting if it's that long. Hopefully your sister doesn't have any of the Long COVID stuff. That stuff sounds not great. The Diablo variant. Yeah. Fauci's <laughs> <laughs> just throwing whatever at the wall just to get people to care again. The crucifixion variant. That's what I would call it. But um, yeah. so I wanted to tell you why I was laid up sick. You know, obviously watching a lot of um, lot of stuff and Discovery yeah. Plus has these like shock doc things I think are kind of fun. They have like an alien yeah. abduction one to one up. Well, I watched this one called Helltown. I was trying to remember if you, because I remember you covered a town episode or like a place. It called Helltown. Yeah. Was it in, I believe, Ohio? Yes. And the government okay, yeah. condemned it? Yes. Yep. So this documentary, I don't, I feel like I don't remember you talking about the Wendigo. Maybe you did, but the documentary, here's the thing. I can't tell if it's real footage or fake, but they claim they have like all these videos that happen there and if they're real videos i've never seen better footage of whatever this fucking thing is yeah so when we talked about Helltown, it was mostly the satanic cult that occupied the dilapidated church it's kind of funny well I, we really didn't talk about wendigo it's kind of funny how when the footage is too good it's almost unbelievable just like when we went to tombstone and saw like the that lady on her iPad had the pictures of those ghosts. It's like, oh, those are too good. Like it, it can't be. Yeah, you would be on the Discovery Channel right now with those if if it was real. Here's the thing: anybody interested in that and have that Discovery Plus? I think that was my favorite one I watched. It's pretty good, even if it's you know ninety percent horseshit. It's really fun. I thought it was a really we fun watch. When you told me that you were watching Discovery Plus the entire time you were sick, I was figuring like you binged 90 Day Fiance or, uh, I <laughs> or get... uh, Married at First Sight. One of those uh, one of those I won't fucking shows. I won't lie. I uh, I was a 90 day guy for a while. I was watching quite a bit, but then I just kind of lost interest and 
haven't jumped back it? on the bandwagon. So right after I got out of college, before I moved into my apartment, uh, my sister actually got me on to those shows. Was it when you were living with your sister? No, it was uh, oh, okay. <laughs> late last year, I think. Oh, okay. So it was entirely on your own. All right. Well, everybody kept talking about the new season. So I'm like, well, I ain't got shit else to watch. I might as well watch it. And then I got kind of hooked on just the just the cringe level that transpires in that show. Oh, yeah. The cringe is the only thing that brings you back. It is yeah. a good show to have on while you're doing other things. And yeah. then you kind of like look over at it every once in a while. Yeah. Well, Phil, uh, you said you had some uh, topics to talk about. Oh, yeah. So, well, you know, we'll get into the show in a little bit. I want to talk about this quick. I got into my car Monday morning to go to work, and I was kind of coming in off of, uh, you know, a lazy, you know, shut-in kind of weekend. Didn't really go anywhere, you know, just kind of hung out at the apartment. Uh, The weird thing was, like, there were some of the things that I had in, like, my center console. Uh, There was a bottle of water that I had in my, like, side console. Like, all this shit was, like, strewn around. And I was like, well, what the fuck? Why did I leave the car in such a fucking mess? Then I started to realize like the glove compartment was open, like my fucking sun visors were all down. And I realized, oh, shit, like I left my car doors unlocked. Apparently someone had gone through my car. So not quite as not quite as crime free as I thought it was in this area. So, (laughs) So, okay, so but I'm guessing you didn't really have anything valuable in there. No, no. I So I'm guessing it was probably, you know, just uh, some white trash or a drug addict just looking for money or drugs or something. Uh, I only really did find one thing missing. I don't. Oh, I was going to say this, too. I don't think it was a homeless person because I still have all of that water that we took on our trip. Yeah. Out to Roswell. That uh, that half case of water is still in the backseat of my car <laughs> and they hadn't taken any of that. So I don't really think it was uh, like a homeless person. Also, my coat was in there and they left that. There is the pair of sunglasses that I bought from Kohl's that I do believe they stole out of there. So if you see a, uh, a de- disheveled looking man or woman wearing a $30 pair of sunglasses, watch out. Uh, <laughs> they're fucking criminals. Yeah, you got to make sure you lock that shit up, Phil. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I mean, I'm just happy that they didn't steal anything. Uh, luckily, I had taken my the ID that I used to badge in to work. I, I didn't actually have that in the car. I had that in my wallet just on just by chance. I took it out of my car and basically left it in my apartment all weekend. Um, luckily, they didn't shit or piss or I don't think they fucked in my car. It did smell like a cigarette in there. So maybe they sat in there and smoked for a second. But who knows? Uh, it's just some hoodlums. I suppose somebody saw you either. They were testing the door handles or they saw you didn't lock it. One of the two. Um, well, it's the deal is when I get out of my car after turning it off, all of the doors unlock and then you like lock it with the button. Yeah. So all of the doors were unlocked. Basically, I must have forgotten to lock it. Um, I was carrying groceries back inside uh, Friday afternoon after work. So I'm guessing I forgot to lock it. But Mm. well, I'm uh, we're thankful that nothing of importance got taken uh, from you. Yeah. Well, I mean, that uh, that old desktop computer that I still have in my trunk from the move. Apparently, they didn't look in the trunk because that's still in there. So <laughs> I don't know how valuable that is, but uh, 
<laughs> probably get like maybe five bucks in the fucking uh, precious metals out of it. Pro- maybe. Yeah, probably it. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine that's high want item. But uh, but yeah, I guess it's great. You <laughs> they didn't you took your badge in. Yeah, luckily I took that because that would be that would be shitty if I had to explain why why my badge was gone. Proprietary thing. So, you know, also a terrorism thing, too. So, yeah, but very true. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, are you ready to get in this week's episode? Yeah, let's hit it. It's my turn. So, all right. (laughs) Speaking of terrorists, let's go for thousands of years. The treatment of disease and human ailments has fallen on men and women whom, in their communities, have enjoyed elevated status put upon them for what they claim to bring to their patients, that being good health and a cure for all of their ails. Whether that comes from treatments with a variety of potions and elixirs, a grand show to make their patients believe that a miracle is being performed, or possibly a mix of the two. Now, one thing remains the same even to this day. Medicine is a practice. Also, what is one man's hokum is another man's science. Allegedly. Now, Allegedly. (laughs) Yeah, the... I don't know. Do you think humanity will ever get to a point where there isn't some sort of quote-unquote magic elixir or some shit that can't cure... Some ailment, I guess. Like, you know, you could easily go, let's just even say on Instagram, some fucking ad on there, you know, it's fucking badger blood or some shit and it'll- Dick pills. Yeah, Yeah. it'll make your dick harder or something like. And it's not like they're probably giving out a lot of refunds if it doesn't (laughs) work. So I guess- No. You know what? America's gas stations are chuck full of this kind of stuff. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Dick pills, you know, the hair loss supplements, just all this, basically the energy, the energy pills, which are basically just like the caffeine pills. I guess, the, no, it's more energy shots now, isn't it? You don't really see the caffeine pills. It's all of like the little five hour energy drinks. No, the so. now they always have like fertility shit behind the fucking uh, counter, like Harder erections, bigger erections, longer oh, yeah. sex, all that shit. Like horny goat weed. That one always sticks in my mind. <laughs> or the fucking stacker yellow jackets or whatever. Yeah, they uh, there's a lot of that shit out there. Um, like we always talk about, we're going to talk about one today. Kind of the heyday of the, you know, the fraudster back in the... 1800s early 1900s kind of like you know the medicine man has a special elixirs that shit's still going on today it's just you can go into regular stores and buy that crap yeah yeah absolutely yeah even though it's supposed to be like more regulated now you know who knows what's in that shit i think they always find like some sort of loophole in the law that allows them to continuously sell that stuff oh yeah well just like in the past you know, like yeah. anything they can do to not get in trouble, whether that be, you know, try to find little loopholes in the law or escape the law entirely. Move, right. move your cart to the next town, paint, paint a new name on the side. I mean, there's whole there's entire fucking Ponzi scheme, <laughs> pyramid scheme, I should say, uh, companies based on this stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. Pfizer, uh, fucking <laughs> <laughs> all of the pharmaceutical companies. Purdue. Purdue, yep. Fucking Purdue. Yeah. The Boilermakers. Definitely. 
Now, over the last couple of centuries, Western medicine has made a swift turn away from the spiritual and holistic side of the medical practice, leaning more towards a scientific approach. Though in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, as we've brought up many, many times before, con men and hucksters had traveled from town to town, peddling their elixirs and miracle cures to the downtrodden and foolish, with little real evidence that the products and practices that they were selling had any medicinal value at all. Remarkably, one of the supposed methods of healing that was birthed from this era still exist to this day. And that is the topic of today's episode, as we discuss the origin, controversy, and eventual acceptance of one of the oddest acceptable medical practices of today, and that being, of course, chiropractors. If you're talking about the guy who created I don't know the full story, I'll tell you that right now, but okay, I know a little bit, and uh, let's just say weird guy yeah so every picture of this guy is kind of from when he's an older man and he definitely looks like an old west pro- prospector that they kind of put in a cheap suit as if he was getting saved at church that weekend pretty much i th- i think in the time period you're about to talk about here this was like just the i don't know it was just like the there's so much bullshit healing ailments because you know there's so much sickness people were lying about being doctors you could definitely you could sell about anything you want even though you know medicine medical stuff was so barbaric oh definitely i mean they would create laws you know trying to cut down i'll mention it like during the episode uh they would create laws from state to state over the course of the decades that all of this was happening, uh, basically making you either have a license or be registered as a medical practitioner just to try to get away from all of this. So many people were claiming to be doctors or basically scientists, men of science, that sort of thing, just to try to sell the lie. Uh, it really became dangerous when they were treating patients with actual illnesses and those patients would die. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of that. I mean, I remember there's a few people I covered on um, Bumblebub when I did it, you know, a few huckster doctors and <laughs> like, yeah. it's hard to believe they didn't even consider washing their hands or sterilizing their hands. Fucking, I think it was until the early 1900s, if I remember right, but it's hard to believe that was considered like crazy. Someone wants to wash their hands after doing surgery. Yeah. Oh, it's. Some of the beliefs that legitimate doctors at the time had, I mean, you guys were talking in one episode, I remember, you were talking about how it was safer to have a child in your own bathtub than it was to have it at a a major medical, like universities, like birthing ward, pretty much. Because the, the... the chance of you getting an inf- the chance of a woman who just gave birth getting an an infection in that hospital was like like fifty fifty or something like that like some crazy number. We well, yeah, have like one baby. I remember this clearly now. If like one baby, I forgot what the disease was called, but it was like very common among amongst newborns and whatever. Um, yeah. But the doctor wouldn't wash his hand when he was like going and doing all these deliveries. So he would basically spread it to all of them in the same hospital, even though only one of them might have had it. So because they didn't, you know, wash their hands off. 
It's not only the idea that they didn't just wash their hands. They thought it was a bad thing to wash their hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Uh, <laughs> that's some of my favorite stuff to read is like old medical stuff because it's just, it almost like makes your mouth drop because you, you almost can't believe people believe that. But, you know, <laughs> I guess it is what it is. Even if you had an idea that maybe, you know, you should wash your hands after you know, touching a sick person or for going from room to room with, you know, delivering babies. Uh, basically, you just had to believe the doctor because they were like a, a person above you. Like, right, right. You know, how do you know more than a doctor? You know, that guy's been delivering babies for 50 years. A lot of them die, but, you know, he pulls them out. So <laughs> now before I begin, let me just say, and I'm going to start this off. I'm really nice. I do not believe that all modern chiropractors are charlatans and that chiropractic manipulation when used appropriately to help with the easing of minor neck or maybe back pain from previous injuries can actually be a benefit as long as it's used with a complementary real medical treatment. Mostly, I'm only really going after the wild claims of chiropractic's founder and a few of its modern followers whom believe that these manipulations can cure all sorts of disease and sickness. That's who I'm going after. The people who just kind of give you a little adjustment and maybe give you some advice on like ergonomics, they're fine. It's the the very small percentage who are kind of, you know, engaging in quackery, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Like I will say I've had nothing but success at a chiropractor. But then again, that guy in her hometown, I don't want to say his name, but that dude, like, I don't know. He knows, to me, he a lot, he knows a lot more about the human anatomy than you would expect um, a chiropractor. And I've never had a problem with him. He's always seemed to fix either if I pull my back out or even my when my neck was fucked up. But, um, but yeah, I definitely have heard stories of questionable chiropractors and i i hear more of it shockingly more around like large cities like the one i live in oh definitely well you almost don't know would you rather trust like a big city chiropractor when there is a, a ton of them around like and you you're kind of actually well, well now with reviews you can kind of you know figure out the good ones from the bad ones or maybe the small town chiropractor who's been taking care of like your parents or your family members and friends for years. Yeah. You know, I suppose, I suppose as long as they were a good one, I mean, if they're the only game in town, then you can be as good or as bad as, you know, whatever I, the older I, I've never been to one, but the older that I get, the more and more, I think maybe I should go to a chiropractor just, you know, for the little bit of pain that I get from sitting on, like I sit down a lot now because of my job. So the little bit of like back and neck pain that I get, it'd be nice to get like just, you know, shit straightened out a little bit. I think uh, if you do, the Google reviews will probably be pretty beneficial. I don't know. I just like I've always noticed you get it done. Uh, I've always got it done by the same guy, but you get it done. You know, you're a little sore, almost like you pulled a muscle. That's kind of what it feels like. But um, but then like the next day, it's fine. It's uh, and you feel better. Yeah, it depends on the oh, okay. back pain. Have you ever like, I remember I'd hurt myself a few times just where it just it, like you can feel like your back's pulled out of place and it's like hard to sit up and shit. That's oh, helped, definitely. Yeah, that's helped me a few times. Now, if you got like a slip disc or something then I 
I don't know if that's going to help you, but then again, the doctor's probably not going to help you either because a really hard problem to work on without you eventually becoming paralyzed later in life. So modern chiropractors are more, they're more like from what I was reading, they're more like physical therapists, basically giving you like a good one will give you an adjustment, but they'll also give you like exercises or they'll recommend like, well, maybe you should sit on like this type of chair or maybe like, you know, try to do this in a different way or increase your posture. Well, do that kind of stuff. I've um, al- I've also heard, I don't know if you've heard this, maybe this will be beneficial to you. Depending on what your pain is, mas- massage therapists can be a great alternative as well. Oh God, I grew up a poor boy in Iowa. We don't go to the massage. <laughs> we don't get massages. We... I've heard it's good. I heard it hurts a lot, but it's good. I know. That's what the city folk do, you know. <laughs> do you re- okay, speaking of this guy, so you know, obviously we'll learn about this guy. He's probably a little kooky, but um you would assume any medicine's gonna evolve with time. Otherwise, you'd have like modern modern doctors who are still practicing the same way fucking Benjamin Rush did. Uh, you remember yep. him? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he, uh, yeah, he basically killed George Washington. But um, I don't know. I'm excited to hear about this guy. All right. Now that that's out of the way, uh, let's actually talk about the founder of the practice. His name, David Daniel Palmer. Uh, he would be known to friends and you know patients, everyone as D.D. Palmer. D.D. Uh, Palmer was born just outside of Toronto, Canada in March of 1845 in a town called Port Perry. He and his family would move to the United States after he had reached adulthood in 1866. There, he would actually become a primary school teacher at first, eventually you know, dipping his hands into the game of beekeeping. This is when he moved to Let's Iowa, which is just outside of modern day Muscatine, Iowa, which is along the Mississippi River. Now working as a teacher and beekeeper with his younger brother, TJ, Palmer would actually begin to practice phrenology, which is the study of bumps on the head. This would begin his interest in the practice of healing. Yeah. Um, first off, was the famous meth head slash wrestler DDP named after this guy? Possibly. <laughs> yeah, I, I was wondering if you would go there. Oh, yeah. yeah so oh, yeah. DDP Palmer, Diamond uh, Dallas Page. That would be funny <laughs> if uh, his middle name was Dallas. But <laughs> So, yeah, phrenology, obviously, extremely outdated. Um, yes. <laughs> it's crazy they even used it, but I guess... Again, they were very ignorant about different things. And I think they kind of used it more as like a um, stereotyping tool. So they look at somebody like, okay, your head's shaped this way. You're clearly going to be a criminal. Yeah, definitely. Um, So what you're thinking of is eugenics. Well, they used phrenology to like look at someone's head, skull, bumps on them and be like, okay, you're probably going to be committing X, Y, and Z crime. Yeah, it was usually when uh, they would examine the head of an Italian or, Ah. you know, someone who wasn't white, pretty much. They would just use stereotypes of, you know, whatever race they were examining and be like, oh, yeah, because of uh, whatever bumps I find, you know, you're going to be a your kid's going to be a criminal. Basically, they would use that. They would use phrenology, actually, kind of during that eugenics movement 
to justify forcing those people to either be like castrated or possibly have, you know, a hysterectomy, you know, you can imagine what one of those was like probably back then, but just basically to not allow people to like have children to procreate. Right. Yeah. Man, a old timey hysterectomy had to be damn near death sentence. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, even having a kid, we just talked about even having a kid back then was scary. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of women died during childbirth. So you can imagine like, them you know some dude just fucking working down there I'm, i imagine Ooh. a lot of fucking uh yeah a lot of bad shit not good but yeah i mean phrenology it it's one of those things where they were using it to try to examine people before they had kind of like the modern you know instruments that we have today you know now we can like basically look inside someone and figure out what's wrong or right. you know figure out a lot from their genes Back then, they were just kind of going with what they had, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Making connections with, you know, the shape of size or bumps on someone's head with how, you know, they think that they're going to act. So. Yeah. Little do they know it's from the uh, pink or is it gray? Gray toothpaste inside of there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now, during this time. D.D. Palmer would begin to join groups of spiritualists, trying to kind of find his way in the world. Supposedly, he had been disenchanted by his Christian upbringing. Uh, He had actually met his first wife, his first of five wives, that is. Her name was Abba Lord. She was a popular spiritual healer and medium in the Midwest at the time. And the two were married on January 20th, 1871, in Mercer County, Illinois, and that was across the river from Muscatine and Let's Isle. Uh, at the time, Dee Dee Palmer was 25 and Abba Lord was 28. Oh, okay. I like the name, though, Abba Lord. Is, you think that's her real name? That is not her real name. Okay. No, but I'll get into it in a minute what her, her birth name was. Okay. So it kind of... It's all it's all in the game, basically. <laughs> she, uh, you know, she used that name to sell herself more, more mystical, you know, yeah, Miss you, Cleo type shit. Well, I mean, the second you become a spiritual healer or anything or medium or whatnot, you gotta jazz up your name. Yeah, your your name can't be something fucking, you know, simple like Frank or Clark or some <laughs> shit like that. It's got to be, you know, Geraldo or something crazy. <laughs> Geraldo, yeah. Geraldo. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of Geraldo. It's just like... What's so the weirdest the mustache. thing I can think of? But. It's the mustache. That's why. <laughs> Got to get yourself a handlebar mustache. You're going to be a fucking uh, snake oil salesman. Yeah. He he was a, uh, what do they call that? Um, I didn't realize kind of Geraldo was kind of a douche. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, his biggest, uh, his biggest fuck up was trying to open the safe that belonged Al to Al Capone. Yeah, that was uh, that was one of his big claims to fame was uh, that fuck up the big special that they had. Yeah, he got Cropsy right. OK, he got the mistreatment of the uh, special needs kids there. Yeah. Then uh, he started getting into the satanic panic and all that shit. And yeah, fuck him. Yeah. Yeah, that was the good thing that he he uh, he was right about that. But yeah, he uh, well, not really talking about him. Yeah. But. <laughs> Abba Lord. The weird thing is there was there was this account 
that I was kind of reading about uh, Dee Dee Palmer's first marriage, basically claiming that she was almost kind of a member of a family of almost like gypsies, pretty much like gypsy healers who went around. It said that when she was married to Palmer, she was only 13 years old at the time. Uh, but like an accomplished medium, basically. But then in another one, it was like updated. Oh, by the way, she was actually, you know, 28 when she got married. And she was from a from a pretty normal family that didn't really move around a ton. They just kind of like moved to the Midwest from Maine. So. So which account do you think is the real one? The real one, well, it was it was kind of on the same like article. It was just like at the bottom, they had a big thing that said update. And then it had a lot more evidence for, you know, they actually had like census accounts of them at living in Maine and then her moving to Wisconsin in her 20s with her family. Gotcha. So, okay. All right. Yeah. But the thing is, she did become big in the local area of like Wisconsin, Iowa for spiritual healing yeah some of the you know some of the practices that she she would go on to have a little bit later on Uh, well we i mean we literally talked about this time period last week was i imagine there was a lot of self-proclaimed mediums that existed around this time oh definitely yeah according to his accounts like he would write books later on Uh, apparently she was pretty good at it like to the point where he claimed that he actually like started believing her, but who knows? I mean, basically from what I've gathered, he's kind of learning the game from her. So, well, if he ever wants to get laid again, he's going to, he's going to go ahead and agree with her, her talking to spirits (laughs) and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. A a chick like that, I imagine is if you, uh, if you don't believe in her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Abba Lord was actually born Esther Abigail Lord in 1843 in Buxton, Maine. She would spend her youth in Maine until moving with her family, like I mentioned, to Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, she would gain fame in the late 1860s and early 1870s as a medium who had claimed that she could tell a person's character just by someone sending a lock of their hair. Of course, she would also have to send a small monetary fee of a dollar. She was gearing this towards women. These women were looking to learn about the character of prospective husband. These powers would soon evolve further into child rearing device and eventually diagnosing illnesses. She's like slowly progressing her con here. Yes. Yep. She's building upon it. And it kind of actually takes a few steps up when she meets D.D. Palmer. So D.D. Palmer, I haven't really talked about him like in his business acumen as much. He's kind of one of those guys who's always opening small business. He's always yeah, like he's yeah. always trying to open something. Yeah, you know? we li- we literally talked about that guy last week. Just. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yep. Just spread shot and see what sticks. Yep. Uh, the fucking businessmen of the like the late 1800s, mid 1800s, who are just, you know, always trying to open a business. Trying to, even if it was a little bit, maybe not on the level. So what, here's my question, Phil, what are you going to do? I mean, it'd be quite a challenge for you to mail someone a lock of your hair. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you have said armpit hair, maybe she, maybe well, she would have to rip off an armpit hair or two, something like or that. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Collect your ball hair for a while. I don't know. Something. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, I mean, back then it wasn't. Uh, they didn't have Manscaped, I would, that's for I, sure. I would have had, I actually, back then, I probably would have had huge mutton chops. I would have grown them out. Huge mutton mutton chops and a big beard. So. Honestly, maybe you should try it. Just fuck it. Try some mutton chops out. <laughs> see it. Throw it against the wall. Yeah. See if it sticks. Yeah, fuck it. Now, who knows? So ABBA, now going by the new moniker, Dr. ABBA Lord Palmer, met D.D. Palmer through one of those groups of spiritualists that he had begun to surround himself with. And the two would quickly become married. Though Palmer, a announced atheist at the time, claimed that he didn't believe in any of the hokum that his wife shilled out initially. He would say that his mind would be changed when he had witnessed ABBA correctly diagnose 10 customers' diseases using only her supposed supernatural power. And I didn't quite see if these were people who mailed in their hair or if they were in front of her. But he claimed that she was 10 for 10 with uh, Johns and their illnesses. Okay, interesting. I mean... Johns or Janes, basically. Just uh, anonymous people. So it wasn't like a whole family and they're like, I bet you all got tuberculosis. <laughs> oh, you all got shit. the You all got the green foot. Yeah. <laughs> I bet... All 10 of you have depression. Holy shit. How did she know? <laughs> they didn't call it depression back then. They called it life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we it's still life. We just kind of doll it up with uh, depression. But um, okay. So again, the like, we you know, this time period, though, here's the thing. I could definitely see Mr. DDP here being like, He's performing a kind of like a an act, right? To kind of pump up his wife. Being like, I was an yeah. atheist and then I saw her powers and it changed my whole world. Like, you know, he could do yeah. that whole thing and then birds fly out or something. I don't know. But that's how I'm reading that personally. Like when I hear that, it's, it's a thing to like give v- validity to her claims. Yeah, well, you always kind of hear it about very religious Southerners. I remember there was an episode of Murd Up where Holly and Daniel were were talking about like some some uh, basically re- religious people, and Daniel said, "Oh, you meet them out here all the time. Guys who claim that they used to be a Satanist or used to you know run women, and now they met the there. You know, it's like they always have to be like a former pimp or a former Satanist or a former atheist. You can't just be a normal person and find Jesus. It's not good enough." That is so fucking cringe when people say that. I remember on that Bill Maher yeah. one, that one guy was like, yes. I was a Satanist. I used to sacrifice people, blah, 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 do all these rituals. Like, I know? used to run women and have have stacks of money in my pocket. It's like, oh, you probably had some pictures from back then, right? Devil took you weren't just You weren't just a fat truck driver back then, too. <laughs> Sir, just because you paid a lot of lot lizards does not mean you were running women. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's three dollar uh, blowjobs does not make you the man. <laughs> it's <laughs> but it's just so fucking cringe and stupid. Like nobody does that. Like, cr- like fucking idiots. Yeah. And if they do, they're like they're not gonna find religion. They're they're rich usually and bored. They don't care. Should we just start telling people that before we started doing podcasting, you and I were actually mutes. We we <laughs> never talked a day in our life. <laughs> I was mute. And then one day I heard Joe Rogan yeah, yeah. on a podcast and then 
boom, <laughs> I called you up and said, we're starting a podcast, fucker. <laughs> I heard that guy from coast to coast, and I was like, this is my calling. Now, by the time Abbott and Palmer had separated, her powers would continue to magically evolve. Eventually, she would gain the ability to find lost property, deliver sound advice as a business medium, and of course, have alleged communications from spirits. Now, this relationship was, you can say, mutually beneficial, and this is kind of me putting my own little thing in here. Uh, for the short term, for both parties, uh, ABBA, it seems like her business acumen really approved by being married to Palmer, who kind of had like a knack for business. And it really seems that on the part of Daniel, he really got a boost from ABBA, who pretty much, I think, taught him the game, you know, the huckster game. Yeah, I'm... I'm pretty sure she probably did. So again, I mean, her in a different type of manner, she is also throwing shit at the wall <laughs> and seeing what sticks. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just like someone who runs a store and they think a product might start selling. So they get that product in their store and they're trying to sell it. You know, if you lost your key to your, you know, something important and you really want to find it, go to this lady and. And maybe she can figure out like, oh, you know, this fucker probably just lost it in the floorboards or something. You know, you know how she maybe she'd make money nowadays is by, you know, locating psychically where people yep. ca people can go to go ahead and purchase a PS5. Oh, Jesus Christ. I would call her up in a minute for a Series <laughs> X. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I wonder how I you... haven't. <laughs> I don't even honestly PS5s and Xbox Series Xs. I don't even think they exist. And I've never met someone who owns one and I've never seen them in stores. So it's a bigger myth than the female orgasm, Phil. That's what I've heard. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> now, Daniel and Abba would only be married for a few years, like I mentioned, though he did learn quite a bit about the supernatural from her. He would even himself start delving into the world of magical healing as it was at this time around this time, I should say, that Palmer would begin to practice the art of magnetic healing, which is a little different today than what it was 150 years ago. Yeah, this, I think this is still in existence. It is, but it's it's different. So I, I'll, I'll mention it in a little bit, but yeah. So kind of what it was back then is different than what it is today. So I'll, I'll go into it right now. Okay. So today, magnetic healing involves the use of like weak permanent magnets or possibly like slightly more powerful electromagnetics. This is in order to do a whole different litany of things. The biggest one is to increase the blood flow in the patient's body. This would be by use of the magnets kind of like circulating the blood of the patient using the blood's own iron content. Uh, kind of deal. It also is supposed to help with joints. You know, people who have wrist or elbow pain, they put like magnetic sleeves on or, or their knees and ankles too. Really, I don't really think it's the magnets that helps. I think it's the idea that you have something that's supposed to help that's helping. Placebo. A placebo. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I've heard this you know, version of it, but I've also heard, I think this is the more huckster one where it's like They'll put a magnet on you and it's supposed to draw the like toxins to that point, And then maybe you yep. do acupuncture or some shit. Remember when the vaccines first started and people were saying 
their body turned magnetic and they were <laughs> pretending to put magnets on their body. I'm like, oh my god. Oh, they were god. they were sticking pieces of metal to themselves and claiming that their body was magnetic. Yeah, my favorite yeah. was it was like a mom who said her son had got vaccinated <laughs> and he was outside and she witnessed the car get pulled his direction and then the car got in an accident and killed the driver and stuff. And I'm like, okay, fucking Magneto here. Apparently maybe that's how yeah. Magneto came, you know, his story, he was in a concentration camp and then he must've got a lot of vaccines or something. And then now he controls and the, the Nazis metal. tested vaccines on him. Of yep, course. Yeah. The real story <laughs> was, of Magneto. There was one Nazi there by the name of Fauci. Yeah. <laughs> Not Wait. not that Fauci, you know, a different Fauci. Okay. So, okay, basic. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say basically. So that is what magnetic healing is today, like using the magnets. So what it was 150 years ago was actually when someone would kind of like lay their hands above someone else's body, and they would use like their own supposed magnetic forces in their body to affect the magnetic field of another person's body and heal them that way kind of one of the things that was thrown around was the the name animal magnetism which is also has a very different meaning today than it apparently did 150 years ago yeah it uh it's a sexual thing now isn't it um oh yeah yep okay so clearly if they're pretending again they have some sort of magneto power Yep. And are challenging or magnetizing or whatever they're doing. Okay. Obviously no way to prove it works and there's no way to prove it doesn't work. So perfect to uh, convince yeah. anybody. There is still kind of this practice going on today. Basically you'll see someone like rubbing their hands together and then like putting it over another person's skin. And they claim that there's spirit energy or some kind of energy coming out of their hands and going to the other person's body normally the only time that the other person feels it is when they believe it you know very one well, of those like, one of those like little pseudoscience deals that it have it works if you believe it just like when that a pastor of. like fucking hits somebody and then they start shaking and speaking in tongues yeah you gotta believe for it to work yeah you either have to really believe in it or you have to be in on it so. well i'm a Believing in it is being in on it, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, actually part of the show, you know, ah. some of those people who come up are part of the show. Some of them are just gullible people who want it to be true. When we do live shows, we're doing on stage exorcisms and call it right now. That would now. be great. <laughs> well, unfortunately, somebody's going to have to put chicken guts in their mouth. And we're going to have to like hit them with power and then they're going to puke all over where a la <laughs> Jim Jones style. True. Yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> Then we start our own cult. It's perfect. Yeah, no, uh, that's true. We're going to have complimentary flavor aid for everybody in the audience too. <laughs> Just make alcoholic drinks out of it. Yeah. That'd be great. Actually. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Now, both of these practices today are considered complete pseudoscience by the vast majority of the medical community. And if you don't believe this, please don't come after us for this. We don't care. Though at the <laughs> time, little access to competent medical practitioners combined with the elevated popularity of spirituality and mysticism of the time made unconventional medicine very popular. Though 
politicians would begin to take action, making laws that only allowed licensed medical professionals to be able to practice medicine and treat patients. This would force D.D. Palmer and many of his compatriots to frequently move around their practices after being accused multiple times of practicing medicine without a license. Yeah, yeah, this is, uh, again, this is what they did. Get busted one place, move to another, you're a new doctor in town. It's a uh, story as old, of time, as old as time, definitely in the 1800s. Yeah, it's just like I always say, you just paint a new name on the side of the wagon and, you know, move on to the next town. <laughs> what's Sell the, your fucking snake oil there. What's the, uh, what's the place that basically Sam Goody disappeared and now there's a new store that's the exact same store, but it has a different name? Sam Goody. Ooh. Um, the, can you even, is there even CD store? I think Sam Goody was a CD store. Yeah, right? yeah. 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 And movies and stuff. I think it's F Y E entertainment now. Yes. Yeah. They all turned into that. You can buy double the price Blu-rays there. If you so desire, I don't even know how they sell anything to be honest with you. That has to be a front. There's no way <laughs> that a store can exist selling CDs and Blu-rays. That's impossible. Did you just create a new conspiracy, Phil? Possibly. That all of the Sam goodies that or whatever the FYEs that exist today are actually fronts for drugs? They probably are. I mean, I don't... Maybe they pretend they have PS5s there. Maybe that's what's going on. They have to be. I haven't bought a, D, I haven't bought a Blu-ray in a decade. They, why, why would I mean, you? they... They were popular for a minute, and then the first time I streamed Netflix, I was pretty much done. <laughs> I only buy the ones that I really, really like, and I know I will watch repeatedly. That is true, actually. Come to think of it, it wasn't Blu-ray. I bought them on DVD, but I did buy all of the, what was it, the the Lord of the Ring, uh, the Hobbit, the Hobbit movies. I bought, ah. I bought them in a three-pack. That's yeah. what I like to buy. I like to buy the big pack, like the... Back to the Future three pack I own and the Star Wars, um, the three packs, not the not the final three movies. Those sucked. But, the <laughs> you know, the prequel and yeah. the regulars. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Young Guns, of course. You love that movie. Oh, that's a great movie. I, that's always like at the top. I never put it back because I always like kind of rewatch it like <laughs> at least twice a year. So now after moving to Burlington, Iowa in 1886, one of D.D. Palmer's patients would actually die while under his care the next year in 1887. Now, the coroner who was investigating the death of that man would state, we censure the so-called doctor, D.D. Palmer, attending physician, for his lack of treatment and ignorance of the case. This would cause Palmer to flee Burlington, and he would again find himself in trouble for practicing medicine without a license. Palmer would then relocate to Davenport, Iowa, which is literally just, it's very close to Burlington. And he would advertise that he gave cures without medicine. See, now, this I know. I know Davenport was important in this guy's starting up of whatever chiropractory. So I yes, didn't know he- very important. I didn't know he was kind of like in all these other places in my head. Obviously, you hear he's from Davenport. You assume that's where he started, but um, he just he's probably wanted, I would assume, for some sort of incidental manslaughter or something like that, um, you know, for killing that guy, I would assume. 
Well, I mean, God, today you would call it maybe negligence, neglect, yeah, um, yeah. incompetence. Maybe Neg- I don't think I don't think the death of the man was the problem. It was him practicing medicine without a license. That's what was going to get him. Yeah, I forgot this was 1800s. That was more important yes. than the dead person. Well, <laughs> if he would have killed someone with the axe, they would have had a harder time proving it than if he would have killed them because of neglect from treating from not treating them properly. So back then you could just take someone out with an axe, move five fucking miles down the road and you were home free. Wasn't so. it legal in some places to like kill somebody if it was for revenge? <laughs> I don't know. You were the one doing small, the uh, fucking the I, true crime podcast. I, I don't know about that. One. I always remember in Deadwood, that was a, uh, the big thing was like, okay, you killed the guy. Did you have a reason? He's like, yeah, he killed my sister. And I'm like, okay, let him off. Oh, Okay, use legal. Yeah, <laughs> that was Deadwood too. That's a little outlier, I guess. Who knows? That that could all be part of the movies too. Very so, true. Very true. They might have been just being. They might have been being a little like facetious for that movie or TV show. So very true. So kind of during this time, he would kind of try to get himself kind of bigger in the spiritualist movement. The you know also the medical movement. Basically, he would write in to local papers bashing modern medicine, even going after the smallpox vaccine and espousing kind of like these conspiracy theories about, you know, we actually talked about the smallpox vaccine, what people were saying about it. He was, let's call them mistruths. He was saying mistruths about uh, modern medicine. He very much believed that he could cure someone without medicine. Or he claimed to believe he could cure someone without medicine. Well, it's going to be bad for his business if he tells them to just go to a regular doctor. Oh, yeah. He sees he sees your normal doctor as his competition. So. Like, is iTunes going to recommend you go to Spotify? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Oh, you could actually hear this better with less commercials on Spotify. Go over there. Yeah. <laughs> Now, for years, Palmer would continue to change jobs. He would switch between teaching at local schools, trying to open up grocery stores, uh, local beehives. He would even sell goldfish at one point. All the while, though, he would continue his magnetic healing practice, improving his craft and delivery along the way. This was until one fateful day on September 18th, 1895. When he would meet and treat a janitor by the name of Harvey Lillard. Now, Harvey supposedly had had a large bump on his back and Palmer would begin massaging the bump. He massaged it over the course of three days. This was until the bump would subside. Lillard, who had actually been deaf for 17 years, claimed that after the adjustments, his hearing had actually improved. Now, this was actually considered to be the first successful spinal adjustment. But he, but to start with, he just massaged it. He didn't like deliver your, what we think of a chiropractor now. Um, interesting. I'm trying to think of like the rational thing for what this could be. I I mean, we don't know how big the bump is, but knowing the time period, it could be a giant ass cyst or a boil or do you know oh, what I'm yeah. saying? And with the Well, I mean, so I'm going to get into a little bit about what kind of he claimed it was and like how he fixed. Them. But yeah, basically 
what we think of kind of like a spinal adjustment, it doesn't, from his account, it doesn't really sound like he did like a, an adjustment. One of your vertebrae was out of place. He kind of makes it sound like he massaged it into place. Okay, so I'm thinking of like Quasimodo hump. Um, oh, no. No, no, oh, okay. okay. I, didn't, I didn't explain that. <laughs> no, I can see what you're saying. I get it now. Okay, so that would make more sense than if it was out of place. A lot of nerves in the back, so it's entirely possible he could have could have been out in like there was a nerve that connects to your ears that maybe is affecting that. I could I could definitely see that. Well, I mean that's kind of what I'll get into it right now. So Paul Palmer would later claim that he had actually received divine inspiration for the practice which he had just invented after being visited by the spirit of a doctor by the name of Atwood. This was during a seance. Now, Atwood, he had claimed, had died 50 years earlier, and it was during the visit that Palmer would learn about subluxation, which is the key to his future medical practice. Okay, so he... <laughs> this is a real Joseph Smith type of thing to do. Again, you're visited by a dead doctor with hidden knowledge... Who's not going to want yeah. that? You make a wild claim, and then to justify it, you claim that years previous, you had been visited by fucking divine inspiration, by a spirit of something, <laughs> or an angel, perhaps, and some golden tablets <sighs> and uh, seer stone. It's so fucking silly. <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, so that word, subluxation, I'm not sure if I actually said it right. Uh, S-U-B-L-U-X-A-T-I-O-N. And it kind of became the key to everything that he believed for healing all illnesses and ailments in the human body just due to spinal adjustments. Okay. I, I, I wonder where he got this word from or if it's like the actual medical term. It's very hard to say, obviously. Subluxation. I don't know what the fuck it's called. Yeah, it doesn't really look like it's a real word. No, it, um, it probably is not, to be honest with you. So basically, from what I read, the kind of pioneer of subluxation was D.D. Palmer. Also, his followers kind of, you know, they're the ones who spread it around a little bit more after his death. Basically, subluxation defined is a theory that dislocated vertebrae are the true cases of all illnesses and that a spinal adjustment can lead to the healing of most, if not all illnesses. Basically, the blood flow in the spine is disrupted by, you know, the you know displacement of these vertebrae. So say if you have an injury and your vertebrae kind of gets out of whack, basically that will cause, you know, fucking typhus or diphtheria or whatever, whatever your ailment is. <laughs> I mean, in this case, hearing loss. The Obviously, the spinal column is extremely important, but uh, oh, yeah, it unfortunately does not have anything to do with typhus. Definitely. Yeah. If if one of your vertebrae is, you know, out of whack and you, you know, you can get surgery to fix that, it'll definitely like if one of your vertebrae is out of whack, basically your your spinal cord will get kind of pinched and it can cause problems like all over your body. So it would very like different places. I mean, the problems will show up like in your fucking legs or arms or whatever, just depending on where, you know, that kink is. But this is basically the idea that, you know, like disease will come from having 
a your spinal column be disrupted. out of place. Yeah, out of place. Yeah. yeah. You know what I just learned recently is you can get narrowing of the spinal canal. I believe that's what it was. Um, causes a lot of issues. So really, but yeah, I, it, that's not something a chiropractor can fix. It's like the thing that's in between the spinal column. Whatever, you know, like the, I don't want to say wires, but. Uh, the spinal cord. Yeah, the spinal cord. <laughs> Whatever. The spinal wires. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it has wires inside of it, goddammit. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you, so say if you played football when you were younger, like a lot of, a lot of people that are retired from the military, you'll kind of see that their back's a little out of line. A lot of them have just a shit ton of injuries that they gathered up over the years. Yeah. But yeah. that's a lot of people that I work with are like former military. And you'll see they just kind of walk, you know, like a little like their back's a little crooked. Basically, you can get physical therapy, surgery, all of that stuff. Back then, there was none of that. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's came a long way, but it's not perfect. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Now, in Davenport, Palmer would open a school with some of his family members and actually train the first wave of chiropractors, many of whom would eventually go on to either teach at that school or possibly even go on to open schools of their own around the world. One of Daniel's students was his own son, B.J. Palmer. He would actually go on to buy out his father's share of his own school, this was after a dispute on the direction of the school and chiropractics in general. This would force D.D. Palmer to try and open a new school. And he would actually try to open many schools in cities around the country, though he would never again find the success that his first school had garnered uh, in Davenport, Iowa. In a weird way, this kind of turned into a pyramid scheme. I mean, if you think about it, it's like, okay, we got head school, teaches those, they open up schools, then they open up schools, and it's like, just keep spreading. I mean, it's not obviously like it, but it spread very fast. It's, I wonder, do you know, like, how long he was, let's just say, doing this on his own before he started teaching? Oh, uh, about a year and a half. He came, so the first spinal adjustment happened in 1895, and he opened it, I think it was early 1897. He opened it, like, Holy. within a year. So it was like, boom, 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 everything. He figured out how to perfect his craft very quickly, didn't he? Enough to open a school. So the only requirement to actually join his school was payment. So yeah. It's, yeah. it's one of those situations. It's not like he, you know, was taking the best and brightest. He is just, uh, it's kind of like ASU, you know, Arizona State. If you got the money. You know, you're in you know, show up. Yeah. You're in, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember I was uh, actually getting out of the military and I called up ASU to try to figure out how to apply to get into school. Like what? You know, because I, I was out of country and she ended the lady I was talking to ended the phone call with welcome to Arizona State University. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm in. And yeah, I got a fucking letter a week later saying I was in. So hell yeah. <laughs> that was my application nice and easy nice and easy just the way it should be for a drink yeah <laughs> now dd palmer would actually later on self-stylize himself as the fountainhead of chiropractics he would even attempt to turn the practice into a religion mostly this was to avoid trouble with the law in regards to the practice of medicine which 
would have been nullified had the practice happened in a church rather than a clinic. That is an interesting rule. Um, <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, this guy, he knows the tricks. He knows the tricks to get out of stuff. I'm sure the tax benefits probably, uh, he didn't mind them either. The history's littered with people who have all sorts of crazy beliefs and practices. And once they turn it into a religion, they go on untouched for fucking decades. It's well, we talked about fucking Tony Alamo, that guy. Yep. As, yep. Long, as long as you're a church, they can't touch you. Even if you have, you know, sweatshops with little kids making your fucking denim jackets, no one can touch you because you're a religion. <laughs> I, this would kind of would have been funny if he actually did have like a successful church, oh, like a yeah. religion, oh, I guess. If, if you actually like you showed up on Sunday and they popped back for you after a small fee, of course, well, they just t they have on their crucifix. They take Jesus off, crack his back. And then, or maybe they put him up there, like kind of crooked, take him down, crack his back, put him up there, and, and then he, then he's risen. No, no, you're getting it all wrong. So it's Jesus. He's hauling the cross, but at the same time, he's kind of holding his back, like, oh, I got a kink in my back, like that kind of <laughs> shit. Just hoping for a fucking uh, an adjustment. Yeah. Be like, if Jesus would have had an adjustment here, he could have got away from them goddamn Romans. <laughs> Definitely. Now, finishing off this topic, that first school that I mentioned in Iowa actually still exists to this very day, and it was Palmer's son, BJ, who took up the reins after Dee Dee Palmer was forced out. BJ is actually considered the developer of modern chiropractics, and you know, the practice really has evolved uh, since Dee Dee Palmer was involved with it. It's a much more respected practice since the idea of subluxation, though there are still some, just a few in the community, who are trying to sell the idea that you're just one good adjustment away from perfect health. Yeah, absolutely. So this is kind of interesting. So BJ, do you think BJ saw his dad maybe as a bit of a huckster and then he tried, he saw maybe there's a benefit to this and he tried to make it more legit? I mean, that's possible too. Um, so at, with every generation, so basically kind of chiropractics, it didn't stay completely within their family, but they were kind of almost like the governing body of chiropractics for years to where like different generations of their family were involved with like the main, you know, chiropractor associations. So it became like more and more legitimate. They lobbied politicians to make it legal to have them be considered medical practitioners it went from being kind of like this weird pseudoscience to kind of a you know it's not really considered primary care it's more considered on top of whatever you know real doctors you're seeing you can go see these people kind of like physical therapists yeah you know see i've actually heard now that you're like saying this it kind of brings the memory back you know especially after my car accident right like because i couldn't really i had physical therapy but if i wanted more you know there was chiropractors there was uh massage therapists that sort of stuff and i forgot yeah. they actually have places that are combo physical therapy and chiropractic places which i would assume is probably the most legit ones well yeah so uh, one of the other big wins that kind of like the movement got was when going to a chiropractor was put onto your insurance. 
So before, you know, obviously insurance wouldn't pay for something that wasn't considered like real medicine. But one of the big wins that they got was kind of getting respected enough to be put on, you know, people's plans to become like, you know, to the point where insurance would pay for all of or some of your appointments. Right, right. Yeah, that I mean, I I think I think I'm just I think here, but like my insurance, right? It's not the greatest, but it's all right. Um, yeah. I think you can, you're allowed X amount of appointments per year, I believe. Yeah. You have what's known as the gold plan for millennials, which is not enough, but if you, you know, <laughs> it's good enough, basically. You get half appointment in a, a half appointment a year. All right. Yep. <laughs> what are you bitching about? But uh, <laughs> you, you get to see the doctor for five minutes and then the nurse pokes you with some needles. So yeah, the thing that's your... like, I think physical therapy is great, but I think the one thing people forget is they're not going to magically cure you. They are telling you the exercise and stuff to do on your own in addition to theirs. So you strengthen those air, you know, and I'm strengthening those areas. So it's not like I have back pain. Physical therapy is just going to cure it. Like you got to, you have homework at a physical therapy yep. office. But um, well, it's it's just like if you get a trainer at the gym, it's not the trainer's fault if you don't get a six pack. It's your right. It's, it's your fault because you were you were supposed to take those lessons home with you. It's, it's kind of like the same thing, more or less. Yeah. I mean, to to be fair, it would be the trainer's fault if he did not offer you a cut of his HGH. But that's uh, <laughs> neither here nor there. But um <laughs> Well, that's just a given. Yeah. They're also going to become your dealer. Of, yeah. Uh, the high grade. You shit. need a trainer slash dealer. Best combo you can get around. Oh, definitely. So um, what are your what are your feelings uh, in the end here on chiropractic? Would you recommend it? Would you say avoid it? What would you say? Well, I would say if you just if you have some, uh, you know, if you have some simple kind of like back or neck pain. And kind of like, you know, you don't really want to get pilled up from the doctors, which is what they're going to do to you these days. I would say give it a shot. Um, try to find a reputable one because just as likely as they are to help you, they are going to possibly hurt you if yeah. they're not, you know, skilled or they don't know what they're doing or maybe they're not sober that day. You know, <laughs> they could really fuck you up because some of the things that they do really could have an ill effect on your fucking, you know, like I've seen chiropractors basically they'll do those quick little neck adjustments. And if you're not careful, I could imagine some of those fucking dudes look pretty strong. They could maybe break your fucking neck. I've, so, I've been, though, I mean, maybe that's more of a sitcom thing. I've, I've been told that it's not them breaking your neck. It is, it can pinch something in there that I think I can't remember what they said, but it's some, some sort of an artery or like a nerve or something. They can, can harm mm. that. That's the worry. Like I, I'm pretty sure I've heard humans don't have enough strength to break a neck like that, but um, I could be wrong. I don't know. But um, there's Chuck Norris. Well, all right. Chuck Norris. Are we sure he's, <laughs> he shares the same DNA as us homo sapiens? I don't know if he does. <laughs> Who knows? There's a uh, Steven Seagal and all of those guys. They always break necks with these. So I, I believe, uh, I believe the the movies. So here's the thing. But, I, I will say yeah. Google reviews 
are going to be your best friend. I when it oh, when definitely. I go to a business, you know, I always read the reviews. Obviously, there's going to be really negative people because people just want to bitch about something. But um, I guarantee, usually, medical medical practices have pretty honest people because if they actually were helped, they probably will go out of their way to leave a good review. Oh, definitely. Um, I left a good review for the dentist that I went to just because it was one of the most pleasant, like fucking experiences I've ever had at a dentist. And I went out of my way to fucking give one. Now, if it was a terrible experience, I would go out of my way to tell people that too. And I'm not the type of person who leaves reviews. So no, I think uh, some businesses, if they, if they're just stellar, man, they deserve a good review. And so other people know, like use them because this is a, uh, quality uh service they're offering here and speaking of reviews cody how could they uh leave us a little review if they feel like it (laughs) well they can log on to itunes leave a show a five-star review it uh (laughs) doesn't really matter what you say you can uh just five star type your favorite chiropractor's name in there for all we care if you're a spotify user it's even easier you just have to hit the five star button hit submit you don't type anything and you are anonymous and we thank the multitude of people who've done that for us, uh, we greatly, greatly appreciate it. Well, uh, Phil, I guess this is the end here. Excellent job. I'm glad I learned more about this guy. I like, kind of knew a little bit, but now I know a lot about him, and he might have been a little crazy. Oh, definitely, yeah. Well, they think that's kind of why he uh, you know, went through five marriages. All of his family you know, couldn't stand him. Basically, they think he might have had a couple of mental problems, maybe undiagnosed for back then. But uh, yeah, very interesting guy. You know, crazy time in the country's history. Here's the thing. If you have five marriages or you're someone's fifth partner, um, it might be them. Just going to say that. That's subliminal deception. Words of wisdom right there. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys.